the difference in life expectancy can be up to 10 years in people who eat plant-based compared to the population that's non-vegetarian. So that's a huge difference. It's not about the numbers, it's about the quality of our life, what we can do on an everyday basis. If we're healthy, we can enjoy life more with the ones we love. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. Let's start today by asking a question. Could the Fountain of Youth be as close as your kitchen? Well, a new paper is showing that plants are the Ponce de Leon of the modern era. And if you don't know who that is, take a second to Google him. Now, today we are going to be talking about diets and healthy aging with Dr. Hanna Kaliova. But we're not just talking about adding years to your life. We're talking about quality years, years where you're still able to get down on the floor and play with your grandchildren. You're still able to go out and walk and live a full and rich life. We're talking about years where maybe you don't have to spend all of your time in the doctor's office. So Dr. Kaliova has co-authored a paper all about plant-based diets and healthy aging, and we will be getting into that with her in just a little while. And also on today's show, completely unrelated, we're going to be talking about Taco Bell's newest creation, which is an absolute monster. This thing is a 700-calorie burrito that is filled to the brim with cheese. It's overflowing, as a matter of fact. And then, for good measure, it has a cheese crust. They literally wrapped this thing in cheese, grilled it, and there you have what they call the grilled cheese burrito. Now, why in the world would we be talking about such a thing? It's because of who's behind this burrito. And that would be the folks at Dairy Management Inc. So, who are they? Well, I'm going to get into that with Dr. Neil Barnard. But as a preview, I will tell you that DMI is one heck of a government-funded crew. And the food scientists that they employ are the ones that have been working hand-in-hand with fast food giants like Taco Bell to come up with the 700-calorie artery-clogging killers like the grilled cheese burrito. So stay tuned for that. But on a much more positive note, we're also going to be taking a trip to China to check back in with our friend Dr. Jia Zhu. Now, he's going to give us an update on how China is doing now that we're seven months into this pandemic. How is that country coping? And what has been done with eating habits there? How have they changed because of this pandemic? Dr. Zhu actually has some very good news on that front. Because vegan is in in China. It is the ticket right now. So we're going to be chatting about the positive plant-based trends that are really kind of serving as a silver lining for the coronavirus pandemic. So stay tuned for that today as well. But first up, that grilled cheese burrito from Taco Bell probably isn't going to help you live a long and healthy life. But... A plant-based diet can give you a pretty good shot at it. And you're going to hear just how good of a shot right now as we're joined by Dr. Hanna Kaliova, whose new paper on aging healthfully 
with the plant-based diet is hot off the press. Dr. Kaliova, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chuck. I spoke recently with Dr. Gary Frazier. He was instrumental in the uh, development and implementation of the Adventist Health Studies. And I asked him, of those studies, what was the biggest surprise that you found? And he told me, hands down, it was the longevity of people who eat a vegetarian or a vegan diet compared to those who eat meat and and a lot of dairy. Uh, I'm assuming that this paper on healthy aging kind of shows the same thing? Exactly. Loma Linda, California, where the Adventist Health Study 2 was conducted, um, is just an, a good example of what can be achieved through a plant-based diet. The, the, the difference in life expectancy can be up to 10 years in people who eat plant-based compared to um, the population that's non-vegetarian. So that's a huge difference. Uh, and Dr. Fraser wrote a paper, 10 years of life, a matter of choice. Are there any lessons that we can learn? Um, and so Loma Linda, California is one of the examples. And another one uh, comes from Okinawa in, in Japan. Uh, you know, in the first half of the 20th century, uh, Japan had one of the lowest um, life expectancies in the world. And uh, it took its lesson f- lessons from Okinawa, where uh, it's one of the blue zones where people live the longest. And Japan started implementing these lessons and started some nutrition education programs and restructured its healthcare system. And within 50 years... Um, it's amazing how much Japan has achieved. Now the life expectancy at birth uh, is, um, you know, the greatest in the world. So uh, Japan uh, really is the leader in life expectancy now. And now what does the diet look like in Okinawa? Uh, 50% of the daily caloric intake comes from sweet potatoes uh, they eat a lot of green leafy vegetables, a lot of soy products and rice. And uh, the fat intake is super low. Only 6% of the daily caloric intake come, comes from fat. So a low-fat plant-based diet uh, seems to be a recipe uh, for, a, for a healthy and long life. And what's amazing about this is how much can be achieved in just a few decades if the whole country... Uh, implements uh, these lessons. And I think that it's important that we point out that you're also not just talking about longevity in this paper. You're also talking about quality years. And talk to me a little bit about what the paper shows as far as reducing the risk of these chronic diseases that have been proven time and again to shave years off of our lives. Talking about things like Alzheimer's and cancer and heart disease. You're absolutely right, Chuck. Um, The population, the world population is aging. Um, The number of people who are older than 60 years uh, is more than 800 millions now, but this number is expected to double um, and is expected to be around 2 billion in 2050. Uh, So, um, you know, obviously aging by itself uh, is not a great challenge, but it is a challenge for the healthcare system because um, aging increases the risk of non-communicable diseases such as obesity and diabetes and cardiovascular disease and cancer and uh, cognitive decline and dementia. Uh, and all of these place a huge burden on the healthcare system. Uh, and it's encouraging that the healthcare, the World Health Organization uh, estimates that about 80% of all these non-communicable diseases could be reduced by 80% if only um, people were not smoking, were more physically active, and improved the quality of their diet. Uh, And, you know, these estimates are also backed up by research. For example, in Finland, uh, they did an intensive lifestyle study uh, where the major part of the lifestyle intervention was a recommendation not to smoke, 
to improve the diet and reduce the fat intake and increase um, the uh, the consumption of uh, whole food uh, plant plant foods and uh, to be physically active and they were able to reduce the cardiovascular mortality by 80% within 35 years so um, we know um, that a diet is important on an individual level but it's also encouraging to see how much it can be achieved you know in a whole country if the recommendations are being implemented that 80% reduction is significant because let, let's make that not a number okay 80% that's 4 out of 5 people that is your friends and your family your brothers your sister your parents your loved ones that is a lot of lives that can be saved here just by making adjustments to the diet. Think about it in those terms. Who among us doesn't know somebody who's had cancer or heart disease or has diabetes? We're talking about four out of five of those cases being reduced. That is so much more of a, of a rich life, of a full life that, that people can live with their friends and their family and their loved ones. That, that to me is perhaps the most poignant and extraordinary thing of all. Exactly. Uh, it's not about the numbers. It's about the quality of our life, about what we can do on an everyday basis. Uh, if we're healthy, we can enjoy life more with, with the ones whom we, who we, whom we love, right? Final point here, a question for you. In terms of the research that you uh, put into this, it was yourself and Dr. Barnard was involved in this, as well as dietitian Susan Levin, um, all of you doing just such tremendous work on the fourth floor at the PCRM World Headquarters. Um, but my question is, is this more of a product, this longevity of not eating meat and not eating dairy, or is it more of a product of eating more plants, or is it a combination of the two? It's definitely a combination. Reducing your fat intake and the animal product intake will be beneficial, uh, but you can still be uh, a junk food vegetarian or vegan where you eat a lot of fried foods and a lot of sugar-sweetened beverages, and that's not really helping you uh, in your health goals. So it's a combination of reducing uh, or eliminating uh, the consumption of animal products and also increasing uh, the consumption of the whole foods, um, plant-based diet. And on previous episodes, you and I have also talked about the importance of also uh, being physical, getting out there, getting a little bit of exercise as well. Um, maybe not the focus of the paper, but as important as making sure that you're eating a clean and healthy diet, correct? Absolutely. Uh, all of the blue zones um, emphasize the consumption of um, plant foods and also are more physically active than other geographic areas and people also spend more time uh, in their community uh, so it seems like um, being connected with people moving and also uh, an emphasis on a plant-based diet this combination makes the blue zone special that's fantastic. This, you know, just the latest research in a string that has just shown the benefits of a plant-based diet and a healthy lifestyle and just what it can do. Uh, phenomenal job in quantifying all of this. And also a big congratulations for being published in the Journal of the American College of Nutrition. That is big time, Dr. Kaliova. So a big tip of the hat to you. Thank you so much, Chuck. I hope uh, that everyone who listens and watches this show will be able to read the paper and will be also encouraged to implement these recommendations. You can find a link to the paper on pcrm.org by searching healthy aging or make it easy on yourself. Scroll on down to the episode notes if you're listening on Apple Podcast and click the link right to it. A lot of great research went into this paper, a ton of it. And dietitian Susan Levin, who was one of the co-authors, she's actually available for consultation via telemedicine at Barnard Medical Center. She and the other plant-based doctors and dietitians, really, they can help get you going on your journey. And if you're already on that healthy journey, they can help take your plant-based diet to the next level. And because it's telemedicine, you don't even need to leave your house. Do it right over the computer. So make that appointment today by visiting barnardmedical.org or pick up the phone 
call 202-527-7500, 202-527-7500, or barnardmedical.org. And yes, there is indeed a link in the episode notes as well. Moving on, you can file this under federal tax dollars hard at work. Government food scientists at Dairy Management Inc. have been working like mad in their lab. And their latest creation? Well, it is the artery-clogging items on Taco Bell's menu. New ones. We're talking about dairy-heavy pineapple whip freeze and, wait for it, the grilled cheese burrito. Now, this particular unhealthy gem features a blend of mozzarella, cheddar, and pepper jack cheeses, in addition to sour cream, beef, rice, crunchy red strips, whatever those are, and chipotle sauce. And then, for good measure, a layer of cheese is grilled around the tortilla to offer what DMI says is a truly unique experience for Taco Bell fans and cheese lovers. Now, for those of you who are curious, the grilled cheese burrito tops out at 710 calories. That's more than a third of what you're supposed to eat in a day. Also has 39 grams of fat, that's 60% of the daily limit, and nearly 1,500 milligrams of sodium. That too will give you more than 60% of the daily max. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about this for a minute. I want to bring in Dr. Neil Barnard to the conversation for this one because I had to talk to him on the exam room live about this. And my first question to Dr. Barnard was whether I'm correct in defining Dairy Management Inc. as a government agency whose sole purpose is to promote the sale of American-made dairy products. Yeah, that's right. Um, Dairy management has been around for a long time, and it's there to benefit the dairy industry. Um, It really starts, as as so many economic things do, it starts with something addictive. Casomorphins are casein-derived morphine-like compounds. Casein is the dairy protein. It's the main protein in milk and it's concentrated in cheese. You'll see it sometimes on food labels where it's extracted from the dairy and it's used in a cake or something like that. Um, So it forms, the casomorphins will form as the milk protein is digested. So if you were to swallow some milk, the uh, the casein breaks apart and it releases these uh, morphine-like compounds into the blood. And they go to your brain and they attach to the very same receptors that heroin or morphine would attach to. Um, And this will not be on the test, but this is the chemical structure of a number of the the casomorphins. These all come out of milk. Um, The strongest one is called morphoseptin. It has about one tenth the brain binding power compared to pharmacy grade morphine. So it's... um, Not strong enough to get you arrested, but it is more than strong enough to make people want cheese. So anyway, the government is well aware of this. This goes back 20 years ago. Um, Ah, the power of cheese. So uh, the government uh, scientists got together with industry marketers, and they held something called the Cheese Forum. And the whole idea was to trigger craving for cheese. And they showed this slide. They said, who are the cheese cravers? Uh, the biggest users, age 25 to 54. Chuck, is this starting f- to sound familiar? Uh, these were consumers who are using it as is, meaning they're not just sprinkling a little bit on their salad. They're opening their refrigerator door. They're grabbing the hunk of cheddar and just taking a bite off of it. Uh, white collar, smaller families. But most importantly, they're willing to eat more cheese than they already do. Meaning, if you trigger craving, you'll up sales. So what do we want our marketing program to do? Trigger cheese craving. So there's DMI, Dairy Management Inc. sponsored all of this to get the uh, fast food chains, Taco Bell and others, to sell more cheese to benefit the cheese industry under the watchful eye of the U.S. government. Um, So they started with Wendy's. 
a cheddar lovers bacon cheeseburger. This was a, a government program. I, I can show you the contract that the U.S. government wrote with Wendy's to market the cheddar lovers bacon cheeseburger. It sold two and a quarter million pounds of cheese. Uh, 380 tons of fat, more than a ton of pure cholesterol. So they then worked with Subway, which had two sandwiches that didn't have cheese on it, and they fixed that. Uh, They put cheese on them. Uh, They worked with Pizza Hut. They took an entire pound of cheese, and they put it on one serving of pizza. I am not making this up. Um, And then Burger King and Taco Bell came into it. So Taco Bell, you're driving through the the, the drive-thru at the store. And they say, welcome to Taco Bell. Would you like to try a quesadilla today? Statements like that, images like that were designed to trigger cheese cravings specifically on contract with the U.S. government, which actually, don't get paranoid, this is just the way the government works. They actually place dairy scientists through a government program at McDonald's, at Taco Bell, to advise them how to change their products to stuff more cheese inside. Is that bad? Yes. Um, Here are the sources of saturated fat in the diet. Uh, Saturated fat, that's the one linked to high cholesterol, heart disease, and Alzheimer's disease. That's cheese, uh, dairy products. That's the biggest source of saturated fat in the whole diet. I just find this to be like just absolutely fascinating. You're talking about the U.S. government, and it makes me think of an episode that you and I did um, actually a couple of years ago on the Exam Room podcast with uh, Dr. Uh, not Dr. Our, our attorney, Mark Kennedy, who actually filed all of these Freedom of Information Act requests to gather information about DMI. And it showed all of these documents tying DMI to these fast food industries. It was really remarkable to see all of this evidence. I know you you may have missed part of that conversation, Dr. Barnard. I was just talking about the episode you and I had uh, with Mark Kennedy, our attorney, uh, not too terribly long, a couple years ago, where we went over a lot of those documents that we obtained through the FOIA requests, showing these deep ties between the government and uh, and these fast food industries. And my mind was just blown. We're not talking about just a hi, how you doing in the hallways. We're talking about firm handshake, agreements, signed documents, all orchestrating us to to eat more cheese. Sorry, I dropped out. I'd like to pretend that DMI was censoring me. That's actually not true. I was just (laughs) on the computer. I just accidentally, my unshare got me to, got me to exit. Um, No, no, these are contracts. Um, These are done uh, between the the U.S. government and DMI um, make these contracts. And they, it's, it's, it's a peculiar thing. They've done it with milk and it really hasn't worked. Uh, milk consumption is just falling and falling and falling. And it doesn't matter really what they do. Um, the, the milk mustache ads, n- none of that stuff worked. Um, people just don't want to drink milk. They really don't. Um, nothing like they were doing in the 1950s. With, with cheese, it's a different story. Um, the casomorphins are in milk, but they are concentrated in cheese. And so when a person is feeling addicted to a food, uh, they can live without a glass of milk. They can live without yogurt. But cheese, it's no longer negotiable. You know what I'm talking about. Because um, oh, yeah. we've, talked, we've talked about ad- addictive foods, and it's meat, and it's cheese, and, uh, the greasy, salty things. But the casomorphins are a big part of it. And so that's where DMI has its most success. Um, if they're going to work with a fast food chain and they make something called, if they call this the, the milk sandwich, nobody would want it. But it's the grilled cheese burrito. And so they're going to you know, they're gonna see if it's a success. The problem is, that at, at a time when people do not want to have heart disease, you don't want to be sick, you don't want to be gaining weight and be at risk for COVID, um, all of the conditions that make you at risk for a COVID death are promoted by cheese. I'm talking about hypertension. You, you, you mentioned 1,500 milligrams of sodium in one serving. Um, it's very, very high in calories. It promotes, uh, and it's high in saturated fats. So all those things together, it's called diabetes, weight gain, hypertension. So um, that's the bad news. The good news is you can walk into a Taco Bell and you can get the bean burrito and you could say, hold the cheese. And what you got is beans and a tortilla with some sauce. Um, So the choices are there. You just got to steer clear of the, the stuff the government is pushing them to sell. A couple of final points before we move on and talk about healthy aging um, is, is number one, I can tell you from experience as a gentleman who had a $20 a day Taco Bell habit for years uh, that these campaigns work. 
and they work magnificently well, uh, much to our detriment. I could not go a day without going to the drive-thru and loading up on all kinds of cheesy products from Taco Bell. But number two, uh, because this is tax day, I'm just curious, this is a federal agency here. How much of our tax dollars are contributing to DMI and these types of campaigns? Uh, for the most part, it's really not so much tax funded. It's a U.S. government program. And, and so some tax dollars go into the administration of it. But for the most part, what the government is doing is it's acting as an organizing body for it to benefit the dairy industry. So they, they effectively tax the dairy industry, but then the dairy, that money goes into a kitty that the government then spends on research and promotion of cheese and other dairy products. The link to the episode with Mark Kennedy is in the show notes, and I will also be dropping there a link to the New York Times. And the Times uploaded a bunch of documents that we were talking about there, scores of them. You click on that link and you can see emails and reports of these promotions that DMI and the fast food restaurants did together. It's crazy seeing government employees boast about the success of something like the summer of cheese and piles and piles of cheese on pizza. I'll give you a fine example here. This is, this is honestly from a report that was sent by the Department of Agriculture to lawmakers on Capitol Hill back in 2007. And what did you know? That they were thrilled with the success of Burger King's cheesy Angus bacon cheeseburger and its tender crisp chicken sandwich. Recipes for both called for two slices of American cheese, then a slice of pepper jack, and then some cheesy sauce to top it all off. In this report from the Department of Agriculture to the lawmakers on Capitol Hill also mentioned Pizza Hut's Cheesy Bites Pizza, and Wendy's Dual Double Melt Sandwich. So when you combine all of those campaigns that they worked on, DMI states that they worked to sell an additional 30 million pounds of cheese. 30 million pounds of cheese. Good glory. Another gem in the collection is a memo from DMI to Domino's, outlining the creation of a pizza, promising 40% more cheese. And what was the result of that? Well, ultimately, it led to a big increase in sales and lined Domino's pockets like a champ. The thing is, though, as the New York Times points out, a single slice of this pizza contained about two-thirds of a day's maximum amount of saturated fat. Just one slice. Think about this. Who eats only one slice of the pizza? Not a lot of people. A couple of other documents on there, they report touting the supposed weight loss effects of dairy. It says if you get three servings of milk and cheese or yogurt every day, you will be on track to lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks. Yeah, think about that for a second, right? So we go from having one slice of pizza that has two thirds of the maximum amount of saturated fat recommended in a day to losing 10 pounds in 10 weeks by eating dairy. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. It is really just kind of baffling. Anyway, you can kill a couple of hours easily by browsing through these documents. They are really just extraordinary. And I can tell you, they're just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more to this that did not get uploaded. But this is a fantastic start. It is absolutely amazing to see these things. So click on the link to see these documents in the show notes. But let's wrap up the show today with some brighter news. I had the opportunity to catch up with Dr. Jia Zhu, 
who's been in Beijing, China since the start of the pandemic. He's been there as the coronavirus cases skyrocketed, and he was also there as they began to fall. And now, as they work to contain flare-ups, he's still there. He's seen a lot. But what Dr. Zhu has also seen is more people turning to a plant-based diet. Whether it's because they're hesitant to eat meat because the coronavirus originated at a live animal or what they call a wet market, or because of international influence. The fact is, thousands are boarding the Vegan Express as it chugs its way toward a healthier future. And you know, this whole plant-based movement, you know it's really gaining steam when even major chain restaurants are getting in on the game. Time now to check back in on our friend Dr. Jia Zhu in China, where he has been in Beijing since the beginning of the pandemic. It's been a couple of months since we've had the opportunity to speak, so thank you so very much for taking some time with us today. Thank you, Chuck. I'm very glad to be in your program. I think it has been, what, since April, maybe since we last spoke. How have conditions changed as far as the outbreak in China since then? Uh, yes, the uh, I think the the situation has pretty much been contained uh, uh, since then. But uh, after, uh, over the past month, there was a small uh, second outbreak in one of the biggest uh, food market. Uh, how can I say the uh, food? Yeah, food staff market, uh, both plant and animal food in in Beijing. And uh, so, in a single day, I think they jumped from zero to like thirty to forty. Uh, New cases, uh, but they basically after that they sealed that market and they did uh, some investigations and also did a very uh, uh, very tight market supervision and now the numbers start to drop back to zero again. So I think it's pretty uh, well done. Um, they, they they found some virus on the uh, a counter that sells uh, salmon uh, salmon fish. And also some other uh, other animal foods, I, I believe. So they they have some uh, speculations of where this uh, this virus might come from, but uh, I think it's not very relevant now because uh, the new cases per day is uh, drop back to zero. Oh, that's promising. I I think um, Dr. Barnard and I have spoken about that on the show. Uh, not just the salmon, but uh, shrimp. More recently, was also testing positive for the coronavirus. And uh, I know that, uh, as you said, measures were taking place to shut down the market. And I believe that they stopped importing shrimp from the country uh, where it was uh, originated uh, as well. Um, as far as life returning to normal, there uh, a lot of people here in the United States are back out, going back to work, school. Maybe we'll be opening in person here in the fall, um, but we're also seeing an explosion of new cases. It sounds like things, as you were saying, the number of new cases there has just plummeted and, and life has returned to normal. So what protective measures are in place now to keep the virus load low? Right. So mostly uh, people are still wearing uh, masks uh, anywhere, everywhere. Although there's no new cases, and uh, and also in the and also they they still use uh, labels to label like uh, a community. If a community, for example, there's a community uh, where they found like two new cases, and then immediately that community is labeled orange, and then uh, everybody in that community will receive a nuclear acid test. Uh, so that uh, they make sure that uh, there's no uh, no additional uh, new cases or hidden cases, and also so for example, very close uh, contacts uh, will will be advised to stay uh, you know at home so that uh, they don't uh, pose a threat to the other people uh, you know outside. So I think that's very well done. Uh, besides this, they did very close uh, market super supervision. They closed down some, uh, like uh, some animal, an wild, how live animal trading market. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I think the restaurant business are are hitting pretty hard because all the restaurants receive food uh, from that uh, you know large market in Beijing. Um, but yeah. 
So when you say yeah. that a community is labeled orange, is that kind of like a threat assessment system? Is orange the highest risk level or are there other colors? Well, basically they have like a, a orange is like the, the U.S. way of saying it. So basically we have like a, a level one, level two and level three. So basically in, immediate, immediately the threat level is bumped up for one level. Uh, if there's one person uh, identified positive in that community, so then uh, there will be so so all the community will be basically there will be uh, there will be a checkpoint uh, of entering the community or or leaving the community. So basically, you have to have IDs uh, to uh, how can I say some kind of a certificate in order to enter that community. If you uh, go out, you're you're free to go out. No. I don't think you're free to go out, but basically, is there's some some ways to to how can to contain who can go in? So so that's a good way. I think it's a good way of doing it. So after like twenty twenty one days, then it's uh, automatically uh, you know reopened if there's no new cases found in that community. Last question before we move on and talk about some more exciting things, uh, including vegan food trends in China, which are, are just exploding right now. So that's very exciting. Uh, I got to ask you about uh, reports of mass gatherings there, whether it be at uh, Disneyland or sporting events. Are crowds beginning to gather by the thousands again to do concerts and, and sports and, and theme parks? Or is that still uh, on hold for now? That's still on hold, and also the cinemas are all closed. There's no uh, no movies, and so so basically, uh, any large gatherings are still uh, not uh, being uh, allowed, especially in large uh, cities. All right. Well, let's talk about those vegan food trends. Uh, it's been fun to follow in recent months just how many new products are coming online in China that are plant-based. Uh, specifically, I've spoken a number of times about KFC, uh, which I wouldn't exactly qualify as a health food, but nonetheless, they are introducing vegan products. And when they did the test launch of these vegan chicken nuggets recently, they sold out really in the matter of hours, it was a very successful test. Things uh, as far as plant-based interest, uh, interest in plant-based foods, it's trending really upward, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's the same uh, same thing here in China. Uh, KFC, Starbucks, and uh, all these uh, foreign brands are actually leading the the trend. And I have been, I, I was eating a vegan burrito, you know, which is not a common food in China uh, the other day. And Garden Alpha Foods are are all selling product vegan products in China. And uh, and also the local, there's also local vegan business as well. And for example, Shanghui, which is the uh, which is the big enterprise who bought a Smithfield the other year, and have introduced plant protein based uh, you know pro, uh, product. And also Eli, the uh, the dairy, the big the, I think it's the biggest dairy company in China has introduced plant based milk. So this is really a very good trend for for plant based diet. What do you think is driving this interest? Why why are so many people getting on board with the plant-based train right now? I think uh, in China is pretty much a, a how can I say it, it's driven by foreign trend. So basically, we are a follower uh, in terms of the plant-based uh, revolution. Uh, but I think they realize the importance uh, of the plant-based uh, uh, products, uh, plant-based uh, lifestyle. I think mostly, I, based on whatever uh, the information I have uh, seen in the news, um, they emphasize the uh, uh, environmental impact and they also um, emphasize the health impact. But I think um, people are still, uh, they still don't understand why. Uh, I still, they still need to be uh, more informed in, in terms of health and environmental impact of uh, food choices. But it's happening first. Uh, uh, before the reasoning. And in terms of informing people and, and educating them, that's kind of where your work comes into focus. And uh, again, in April, when we last spoke, you said that you were as busy as ever giving lectures online. How busy have you been in recent months? Uh, I have been, uh, like, I've been doing a, a one lecture like every at least every other day, um, at least I think more than that. And uh, we just uh, did a three thousand people uh, vegan kickstart, uh, which is uh, pretty 
pretty intense. Uh, we'll have uh, like a uh, hundred. Almost a hundred, like 50, 50 to a hundred volunteers helping online. So this is online vegan Kickstarter uh, across the country, and uh, we have received very good uh, result. Talk to me about this vegan Kickstarter. What uh, what does it entail? Do people get a menu? Do they get the education? What is the vegan Kickstarter in China? Right. So so we uh, so it's volunteer driven, and uh, we have. Uh, Every day we have a online class. Uh, you know, we have invited, uh, you know, the uh, vegan, vegan, how can I say, vegan celebrities or vegan authorities, whatever, whoever is very uh, recognized in the vegan field. Uh, but uh, mostly on the science and nutrition, and so people are mostly interested in the health aspect. Uh, for this Kickstarter, and then every day we have uh, a, a suggested menu. Uh, we have uh, learning points uh, that people need to learn, and also maybe some uh, uh, video clips that they need, uh, they are supposed to to finish. So basically, it's a learning is a is a online class type of uh, uh, a environment. So. Uh, so people basically have a 21-day strict, uh, straight learn, learning and uh, practicing uh, time, and also they can uh, answer questions. Uh, uh, the volunteers will answer their questions in the uh, online groups, in the WeChat groups. Can you give us example, uh, a few examples of what is on the menu? Is it traditional Chinese dishes that have been modified to be vegan? Uh, yes, uh, well, yeah, I mean, traditional Chinese dishes can be vegan already, so they are not, like, always eating meat, but um, they, we have a lot of good uh, vegan dishes, uh, but I think it's mostly a general guidance, because people are, uh, they, they usually don't follow uh, a recipe here, so even if you give them a recipe, they don't follow exactly, uh, <laughs> like we, uh, before, they, they, they have their own innovation, or their their likes, uh, they, they may add more salt or whatever. But uh, so basically, uh, we give them the guidance and we give them an exemplary, uh, you know, menu or, or recipe, and they, they will decide what to do. Uh, maybe half of them will follow this, and, and another half will in, uh, improvise themselves. Chinese food here, if you go to a restaurant, a lot of times is very heavy in oil and in salt. With this 21-day kickstart, do you stress lower oil amounts, lower salt amounts as well? Absolutely, yeah. So basically, we, we recommend no oil uh, in order to have a good result. And salt, definitely lower salt and uh, lower sugar as well, added sugar as well. So basically, it's whole food, uh, plant-based. And so we we asked uh, try uh, try to uh, so basically we, uh, we we recommend people to eat uh, whole grains also, so low fat whole grain whole food, uh, plant based diet. Is there a, a favorite recipe of yours that's in there? Have you had an opportunity to try some? <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, well, I mean I, I I eat very simple, so I uh, whatever uh, available, but I I definitely don't eat no oil. Um, absolutely vegan and um but i i, I don't follow the 21 day <laughs> i don't follow it but uh, yeah. but it's very good I and mean, a lot of people they they invite they invent their own recipes and uh, and it becomes very popular well i i feel optimistic about the trends in china and as you said you know it's driven by international markets first but then in the process People will learn about the environmental impact of eating a plant-based diet, the health impacts of eating a plant-based diet. Do you suspect that over time, this trend will continue as more and more people in China begin to learn about the other benefits? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it will start from health uh, because uh, people are, are sick. Uh, so they need to, they need to, uh, to find ways to improve their health. Especially COVID-19, basically a strike a, a alarm for them, uh, so they start to seek ways to improve their own you know, immunity or health, uh, so that they can you know can be prepared for any possible potential you know infections. And as there's been this increased interest in plant-based diet, have has there also been a decreased interest in terms of people wanting to eat meat because of COVID-19? Obviously, we know that it began at a live animal market in Wuhan, 
but now we've also just talked about it being on shrimp and on salmon. Are people generally a little bit more skeptical of meat now, or is that remaining steady? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say they are, you know, they, they start to uh, be more concerned about safety of, uh, of animal products than before. Uh, so I have seen, you know, conversations, online conversations uh, of people saying that they won't, uh, they, because of COVID-19, they, they, they think the, the, the animal food are no longer safe for them. They, they would not eat. So I have seen that. And final question for you. Fundamentally, how do you think this outbreak, this pandemic is going to change life as we know it moving forward over in China? Is this something that even years uh, in the future from now, after the virus has gone away, whether there's a vaccine or it just fizzles out, how do you think life will be different in terms of the way people view their health? <clears throat> yeah. Um well, first of all, I I, I don't think the uh, the COVID nineteen will will go go away very 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 easily. You know, very so it will take some time. Uh, so even if it's a vaccine and it, it it will it's like it's like flu and flu uh, we have to you have to make black vaccines every you know every year and because the, it mutates very fast. Uh, so so this is like that. Um, so, so I think the uh, the way of the lifestyle, in terms of lifestyle, for example, uh, you know, the, the big gathering uh, and uh, you know, like a restaurant dining, uh, will will be affected for sure. And the people for a long time, I think, will start uh, will, will will still uh, be wearing ma- masks. So all these will be so basically the, the life will now be the same, uh, you know, post COVID nineteen. Um, but overall, I think uh, there's larger impact from economic side because of uh, because of all these uh, international trade or domestic trade, and also these a lot of the service interest industry being affected, and and the economy will 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 definitely take a downturn. Uh, because of that, uh, I think a lot of uh, the lifestyle uh, will have to to change accordingly. Uh, but in terms of the uh, plant-based diet, or I think that's a definitely a upper, a, on an upper trend. Uh, I believe more and more people eat, uh, uh, you know, plant-based diet because because of health, because of food safety, because of uh, environmental concerns and all that. All that. I think this trend is strong uh, in China, and uh, I believe it will definitely uh, become one of the strongest trend in the next few years. Well, Dr. Zhu, that means that your work is more important now than ever. Thank you so very much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Chuck. If you're curious and want to check out any of the nutrition resources that we've created that are in Mandarin, you can head over to pcrm.org and search for Mandarin. There are all kinds of tools for healthy eating up there. All of it really, really well created. And Dr. Zhu, by the way, I mean, this is just a, an extraordinary human being. When there isn't a pandemic, his thing is to go cycling across China, literally across the country, and at every stop, teach people about the health benefits of a plant-based diet. A few years ago, the group he was leading, they actually pedaled 2,500 miles on this journey. And everyone was fueled by plants exclusively. Just remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Before we wrap up today, I just, I want to share a few more thoughts about Dairy Management Inc. and Taco Bell and this grilled cheese burrito. Look, as I mentioned briefly with Dr. Barnard, I was a fast food aholic. I could not go a day without it. And now I'm wondering how much of that had to do with cheese. Was that why I was hooked? So my daily dose of Taco Bell, my $20 daily dose, it consisted of seven-layer burritos, which had cheese and sour cream for dairy, 
It had beef grilled stuffed burritos. They too had cheese. A cheese quesadilla. Absolutely had cheese. Nachos Bel Grande. That had cheese. The only thing on this menu, my menu, that did not have dairy was the caramel empanada that more often than not they would give me for free just because I was a VIP customer. From time to time, you'll hear me talk about how they would see my car and they would just know that it was me. And by the time I even got to the order board, they would say, your total is $20. Please drive through. I didn't even have to order. They just knew. That's how hooked I was. But Taco Bell, that was just the topping. That was the end of the day of food for me. Because before that, I would have eaten a pizza, a pizza and a half, maybe even two pizzas. And then I would have stopped on the way home from work and gotten six taquitos off of the rollers at 7-Eleven. Buffalo chicken taquitos, which also had cheese. Pizza has cheese. Taquitos have cheese. So is this why I was so hooked on fast food? It could be. Cheese absolutely positively could have played an enormous role in my obesity problem. I don't think that it was everything, but it very well may have played a huge part in getting me up to 420 pounds. Just some food for thought there. If you haven't already done so, and you're listening to this on your web browser, please subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you do, please also leave a five-star rating. And then share the show with your family and your friends. Get them to subscribe. Because the more subscriptions we get, the higher we climb in the rankings, and the easier it then becomes for people to find this information and to start to hopefully revolutionize their health. There are so many people out there who are also addicted to fast food and high-fat food and cheesy food. And we want to help them. So go ahead and subscribe and leave that five-star rating and then pass the show along to your loved ones. I appreciate that. And that's going to do it for us today. My thanks to Drs. Neil Barnard and Hanna Kaliova for taking some time and joining us from the exam room live. And also to Dr. Jia Zhu for joining us all the way from Beijing. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and... Keep it plant-based.